E.N. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fond Now Final Bell here in the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Well, who would have ever thought we'd be talking about wheat getting more attention than what crude oil is bringing at this point? Add to it, there's some interesting things happening in Ukraine, but does not mean that this is going to be an end anytime soon, unfortunately. We'll talk a little planting prep, what we're hearing in the uh Rumor mill when it comes to corn versus bean acres and now maybe even some wheat acre issues as well. And exports, nothing too crazy to look at, but also taking an effect on the market. We bring into the conversation with us Sam Hudson. He is with Corn Belt Marketing. And let's first talk about this wheat getting more attention than what we're seeing in the crude oil market today. Kind of nice to see a, a big jump for those wheat producers, especially with the struggle they're on right now. Well, it is, and it depends on which side of the market you're on here in this deal. You know, obviously, this much distortion is usually not good for markets long term. Um, you know, typically a lot of demand destruction that comes out of the end of this. But the concern right now is, is just the lack of, or the potential lack of supply on the forward curve with this conflict over there. Uh, number one, you've got the ports shut down and can't really service any of the demand, uh, world demand that's you know necessary right now. Uh, been down for about a week, uh, and at this point, there's enough personnel out of that area that even if this thing stopped today, you know, you're talking probably maybe. You know, maybe two or three weeks before they could get back online anyways. And so if you add that two to three week lag time on top of the fact that this could last, you know, who knows how long, another month, two months, three months, you know, the breadth and depth of this is, is a big deal. And I think it's kind of hard to pinpoint what, what could happen there. Uh, the worst case scenario and what the markets, uh, you know, kind of alluded to or suggested it's possible too is that uh, if conflict is bad enough and ongoing for long enough that uh, it'll reduce the amount of, of planted acreage in general uh, in Eastern Europe, uh, you know, altogether. And obviously with, with wheat, Coming out of that region, you know, you're 30 to 35 percent of the world's needs, uh, almost 40 percent of the world's uh, UAN out of that area, and, and 15 percent of the corn. So, a uh, big deal to world's carryouts, uh, and the markets are, are busy readjusting uh, to reflect that. You know, I, and I was reading earlier on Twitter, uh, somebody described uh, the Russian invasion likely as the biggest grain supply shock in living memory, and I think that pretty much sums it up. Well, that's right. And then, you know, we have, and that's the thing is that there's such a big question mark on what we've lost, but you almost have to write it down here on the front end that, that we do lose that. Um, and so it's not, it's twofold too, because you're coming out of this COVID situation. Uh, on top of it, we've seen, you know, demand kind of sling back on top of everything. You got world grains rallying. You got crude oil and energy prices rallying and inflation in general. And now you throw this on top. And so, uh, wheat's not the only one, but it's getting, you know, a lot of the attention this week just because of that dynamic and, and also the timing. You know, like I said, if we, if this thing's stretches another six to eight weeks. Uh, it could threaten some of those plantings. Now, on the other side of the coin, there may be some areas out here that, uh, you know, they've got some of their supplies ready to go. And so I'm not going to sit here and think that none of that area is going to be seized. I think it's more about uh, the dynamic under which it is and, and who's under control. And I guess i got to still believe here that no matter who ends up on top here, um, they, they've got to see the value in, in being able to export those goods because if they're not able to export that, then you're not able to, you know, get the money coming in for it. So did you ever think in, in this wild ride that we've been on that we would have seen, for example, you know, the, the wheat at $11 overnight and then see Chicago end up settling at almost $13? Yeah. Well, nothing's impossible in these markets. And, and, you know, I think if you remember when wheat went to, you know, $20 plus a bushel here, uh, you know, before we have to realize that when these anomalies happen, 
um, there's people in the market, and it really becomes a money game as much as anything. You know, we're sitting here talking about supply and demand and what if, but in the moment, it's who can hold their position. And from a hedging standpoint, I think yesterday we saw a lot of that activity. We saw spreads going crazy. Had some of these front-month wheat contracts limit up, while the back months were actually limit down. Uh, and so everyone's just trying to figure out uh, how to keep their arms and legs in the, inside the bus at this point and not get, you know, torn up too bad. And if you're a world shipper who's carrying grain in an inverted market and you cannot sell it, uh, it's kind of the worst place to be. So, you know, fundamentals don't matter right now. It's trying to get the shorts out and, and who wants to be able to stick and stay in, the, in this market. Um, and in the meantime, you know, this thing could be over in a second or it could be over in several weeks and this is an ongoing dynamic. I think you and I saw both the same uh, news really or mention come out about Ukraine and Russia tentatively agreed to some safe corridors and aid delivery. But when you're talking aid delivery, that doesn't sound like this is something that's going to end tomorrow. Yeah, and, and that's what I read into that. You know, if they're wanting to get people out and aid in, it means they're not done yet. Um, and, and so it, it's good, you know, and, and optimistic, I guess, for the people over there that are stuck. You know, hopefully you can, you know, minimize as much death and destruction over there as possible. Um, but it, it's obviously a signal that, uh, you know, this thing's not over with here yet today. And, and I think everyone, you know, beyond this, too, there's always these fears that Putin's going to just you know, come come completely unhinged uh, and obviously talks about, you know, nuclear uh, side of things and everything there. Once again, hopefully we don't even have to, you know, broach that tub, uh, subject, but uh, we're going to have a couple weeks here where things are going to remain incredibly volatile. So to talk about that volatility, how do you as a, as a producer look at that and, and not have that panic feeling? Well, the first thing you got to go on is, is what are the certainties? And, you know, as it sits today, if you're a farmer out here, you know how much grain you got in the bin. Maybe that's zero. Maybe that's all of it. Maybe that's half of it. Uh, you know what the price per bushel is today and, and what it means to you. But, um, you know, the, the real conundrum here is that not only are we looking at these higher commodity prices and, and pretty good profitability, at least for this coming year, because... Fortunately, most of the U.S. farmers have their fertilizer probably locked up and ready to go for this year. But moving forward, I think it presents as much of a problem here for the 23 marketing because you have a scenario where you could give the world a sense that we're, we are going to make it to the other side and we are going to produce uh, you know, another crop. Uh, but at the same time, this fertilizer market is going to be you know, just completely uh, you know, unwound here for a while. And so you get into the possibility where if you can solve this thing, you get into falling prices, squeeze it back the other way um, as inputs you know, stay, stay strong or continue to rise. But we've got to find a reason to do that first, and you can't do it until this conflict's over. All right, we're going to talk more about those inputs and what it's going to mean. Of course, taking a look at the rest of the, of the grain complex as well. And I want to look at the flip side of it and get your thoughts as to what's happening from a livestock perspective as they watch the these crazy numbers happening. More is coming up. It is the Thursday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. We'll have more from Sam Hudson with Corn Belt Marketing coming up in just a moment. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we understand there could be some tough decisions this spring when choosing seed for your farm. Fontenelle still has a good selection of Extendiflex soybeans with triple stack tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to handle your toughest weeds. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer about Extendiflex soybeans and ask about our locally proven corn hybrids too. Always follow IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labeled. VN. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation this afternoon with Sam Hudson, he is with Corn Belt Marketing. And I gotta, we gotta start here because during the commercial break, we were talking about input costs, which we are gonna talk about. But then the big discussion on this wheat complex is how high could it go? And I did have a producer ask that. And I jokingly said, well, if I knew the answer, you and I would probably be going to the bank or to jail because the sky's the limit, I think, right now on this wheat with what we're seeing and in lack of moisture, the continued happenings in the Black Sea region. I mean, there's just a lot of fingers in this pot that are going to affect this trade. Well, it is. And, and, you know, when you look at these prices, once again, you know, fundamentals are kind of being, you know, debated and questioned here. But we're not necessarily trading this price because because we know, hey, we're going to have this size carryout or this size carryout. We're trading this price because people don't want to, you know, stay in the market to, to find out. And, and I think that's, you know, once again, you get back to these spreads and, and seeing what they've done. Uh, the the May-July corn spread, no different, traded up to, you know, 50 cents here today. It traded up to 71 plus, I think, sometime last year. So, uh, you know, in terms of how high that we can go, I, I wouldn't even want to try to put a number on it. I mean, I think you could end up trading a $14, $15, $16 mark, but again, it's predicated on this conflict continuing uh, and, and stoking more and more fears about area uh, and so forth. And, and we're going to see you know, a lot of different decisions and creativity being thrown into the mix here on, on world acreage, fertilizer, uh, as well as uh, you know feed needs. You know, the livestock guys sitting here with uh, you know the bunks full. That's great, but when they're empty, uh, you know the costs just you know continue to add up in a very dramatic way, and that's probably uh, you know dissuading people from from looking at the expansion in this livestock market. And I think we have to you know look at that possibility or long term. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's bring things into the United States. We know that it's extremely dry. I mean, you can't beat a dead horse much farther. No that if we don't get some rain, it's going to change a lot of acre discussions. Having said that, what are you hearing from a Western Corn Belt perspective when it comes to corn versus beans versus wheat versus as some guys are going to be planting sorghum? You know, the, the, the first, uh, you know, decision or thought process I've seen on that is, you know, if a guy's got a tougher, maybe not quite quite as highly productive ground, uh, they're looking at maybe doing soybeans, uh, maybe even putting rye out there, um, or, or um, a lot of talk about uh, about sorghum. You know, less, less water, uh, less input costs, um, it, it just takes the, that type of... Uh, weather better, and we've also had a great export market for it. So as long as you got a cash market that you can trust, um, I think there's going to be a lot of interest in that. And and when you look at these, uh, you know, the wheat crops in the West, if you got a pretty poor stand, you know, your choice is either you, you see how high the market goes and see what you can get for an, an insurance payment, or you take that and, and roll the dice on on beans that are over fourteen or fifteen dollars. And I would think there are a lot of people who would still be interested in doing that. Um, obviously, you know, once again, a cheaper route to go, and I think you're going to see a, a lot of interest in it. And that could impact what our acreage looks like from March to June. Uh, it may be hard to find those soybean acres initially in March, but come June, it wouldn't be surprised to uh, you know to add one or two million acres. Export numbers, nothing really exciting in today's numbers report. It's not uh, actually noticeably slower in corn. Um, you know, bean movement was still pretty solid and, and steady, and I think we saw you know another pretty big chunk for new crop too, with 50 million bushels there. So as we move forward here, it gets harder and harder. Um, you know, to row the boat that we're going to have this, you know, four to 500 million bushel bean carry out because I think, you know, some of these world buyers like China are trying to get ahead of this thing, knowing that, you know, if grain prices are going to rally like this, it's possible that we see uh, that acreage, uh, you know, shrink a little bit as we go into 23. All right. What are you looking at when you look at the, the long term? Um, we talked a little bit about the livestock side of it, but with these prices continuing to go, at what point are we going to see the, the hands go up in the air and say enough's enough? 
Well, the beef prices have obviously driven this this stuff, and and you know we saw cash trade two dollars lower here yesterday. Uh, we've seen beef prices level level off, if not even weaken a little bit. And part of that may just be due to the uncertainty. It may be due to the fact that hey, we've gotten through the holidays and people don't you know want to spend that money. Um, but on the same breath, you've got this poultry, uh, this bird flu situation kind of coming about, um, and just the the idea that inflation is still very well alive here. So I think what the cattle market's going to be focused on in the short term is finding some demand for these feeders with the high cost of feed now. Uh, and then long term, these back months, you know, how, how far can they go down if we're looking at, you know, continued contraction? But, you know, that the other side of the coin is, are we going to be losing some demand in the meantime because of these beef prices and just inflation in general? I mean, these grocery bills are, are getting out of control. And at some point that, uh, you know, that just hits home. All right. What's going to be your go-to as you look at the next uh, week or so in these markets? You know, going into a Friday tomorrow, uh, it'd be interested to see how markets, you know, kind of act and prepare for another weekend. Um, a lot of opinions out here that we could end up with a ceasefire at any point. Uh, I don't disagree with that, but I also, you know, you can't put all your chips in, in one bet here. And so I think coming out of this weekend, um, we may have a little bit more indication on, you know, is this going to be another week? Is it going to be another two, three weeks? Uh, or, or are we looking at, uh, you know, this long-term campaign still where these prices got to get squeezed and, and continue to see that volatility? But that's the name of the game here. Isn't it? From a volatility standpoint, you just got to know what you got out there from a risk standpoint. Um, and at some point here, it'd be nice to lock in some floors for new crop production. But uh, you know, the world has to be a little bit more comfortable that we're going to produce it first. Very much so. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam? 800-655-3380. All right. Of course, we've got more information. Just a reminder that commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss that are not suitable to all investors. That's been today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. Check it out as a podcast at RuralRadioNetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.